Yes, you're gonna have people turn their backs, but it's time for us to keep talking. Just keep talking that real, bro. Do what you do, I know what you do, so keep doing that. Talk the real. The HBI lads will see you now. See you now. See you now. I don't wanna cause no problems. Mm-hmm. I just wanna live my life, but I keep. And we're back, HBI podcast. We had a misfire early because Dan went full something I'm not allowed to say anymore in a blue correct society and uh, forgot what he was doing. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what happens when you cut calories and stop drinking caffeine. Um, but we are back. And today we are talking about working with athletes with coaches and namely being able to work in with that coach, knowing where you stand, where you don't stand and really trying to build relationships there. And at the same time, I think this is a really important conversation to have here. One, in terms of what the athlete values overall but number two in making sure the coach if you're working with a lot of coaches they understand very clearly what you do and what your service entails as well so with that in mind i brought this one up so i'm starting up so i think this becomes a really really important one you know on the weekend a client of mine Martin barrett competed in the ifbb um state titles here in australia he won the novice classic and came third overall in his first comp fantastic job put in a heap of hard work and looked amazing uh, and beaten by beaten by a really good pro out of um actually flew over from melbourne matt orchard who's also a legend of a dude so really you know fell to a fantastic competition but you know working with Utten really helps has helped me sort of see where you know as allied health we fit into the picture and you know my role here and if he was sent to me by his coach who was also my former coach um was not to, in fact, I don't think we did any exercise recommendation or very minimal, if anything. It was simply in this in this role was for managing body work, you know. And when bodybuilders are cutting down, the body can get real sore real quick. You can also get, you know, obviously restriction that minimizes the ability to pose properly. And that was my role to jump in and support that process. And it was understanding that that's where I fit in, even though I may have these other tools that I could have done, that's what was required in this space. And right, I think as allied health practitioners, as there is this move to hybridization, there's a lot of toes being stepped on and people trying to take roles that aren't potentially their roles. And if you're going to work well in the team, you really need a clear guise of what your role is and how you work in together. Uh, Dan, how do you jump on that? Yeah, I think it's... uh... It's an interesting like line because obviously yeah, I feel like back in the day it was very clear of like you know PT does this, physio does this, myo does this, but like you mentioned, you know, with everyone, like I think it's a, definitely a good thing that from a skill set perspective, practitioners are expanding and learning more about rehab and prescription. Uh, it's great that everyone's becoming this hybrid. Like I think the three of us are you know, testament to that like you know you're a chiro i'm an osteo ben's a physio but we're all really just hybrids of you know uh different skill sets and different modalities so i think it's definitely something to strive for and it's an overall benefit but i think at the same time understanding when like people do get referred to us if it's from another coach or a pt or someone who's already assuming that role and taking care of a certain aspect of that client's programming protocol to know like when to actually you know step in and assist with that side of things and um you know when not to which I think it just comes down to like communication. You know, if obviously a PT refers someone to you for uh, help with their back pain and they're already taking care of the programming and doing all the SNC stuff, as much as we have the capacity or might have the capacity to help them with the programming, you know, it's probably not the best thing to do in that situation to you know step on someone else's toes or to undermine the, the person who actually referred them to you because it's a bit of a spit in the face. So I think, yeah, as always, it's just communication. Like, um, know what role you play in what situation which is going to be context dependent if that person comes to see you 
and they don't have a coach, go crazy. You can do the programming, you can do the training, you can do everything. If that person's come from a certain practitioner and they've already taken care of one category, then from a respect perspective, I would stick to your lane in that situation. And then if they're, you know, like we said off air, if if that area is maybe a potential underlying predisposing factor that's contributing to that pain or dysfunction, then have a conversation with the coach and find a way that you can obviously liaise together to help the client without coming across, you know, in a way that's like undermining or, um, you know, making them sound redundant by you taking over their role. Benny. Agreed. Like you just got to do what a normal human would do. Like if you're working together on a project, which is a client with someone, wouldn't you like communicate and liaise with them at, at, at every necessary point? So like, it's like, um, obviously, we're a team. The, the client is is the center. We want the best client-centered outcomes. So, therefore, that requires, you know, open communication between all all players, like all health professionals, coaches, nutritionists, whatever. And as the boys had explicitly outlined is that everyone understands their role. And if you don't understand your role, then you open up communication with the client. You know, all right, where do you see me fit into this whole project that you got going on you boys have both spoke about athletes even just anyone who has a coach or pt whether they're athletes or not you need to because we all as dan said we all program we all do snc programming rehab programming whatever it is you know everyone's got extensive knowledge in those areas nath powerlifting bodybuilding dan again powerlifting bodybuilding like performance-based stuff as well so um you know those skill sets are across the board so it doesn't matter what type of athlete you come through the door you can just always fundamentally program for these people however it's, it's it's where this person sees you fit and um in my opinion it's it's dropping dropping some of your ego it's it's understanding that it's not about um coming from a scarcity standpoint and go hey well if i do refer off here or if i do um you know open up communication here or if i do send clients back to this coach or whatever it may be understanding that that is for best client-centered outcome client best client-centered um outcomes so i think just being a normal human and fucking talking to people, whoever's involved is important. And the boys have mentioned before, like before we jumped on here is that, you know, you can open up communication with someone and they don't respond to you or they don't bother communicating with you. So it's about how do you get around that? Maybe they didn't see the email. Maybe they didn't see the message. Maybe you got to jump on the phone call. Maybe you got to see them face to face if it's viable. As they said, maybe you go back to the client and say, hey, look, I've opened up communication here and it seems like I haven't gotten any response. So as the boy says, it's very clear cut. It's a collaborative approach. Understand your role and make sure that you're communicating at as best as possible. So therefore, people understand and there's no breakdown of communication breakdown communication usually results in people getting offended or upset the client getting worse outcomes so it's in the client's best interest to be as uh, open with your communication as possible i believe yeah absolutely and obviously there are unique situations right like you said ben you may reach out and you get stonewalled you hear nothing you can always go back to the client and be like listen here's some stuff to take to them or hey can you set up the connection because if the clients come into the the PT coach, whatever it is, they're more and like direct linking you in, they're more likely to respond than if you cold email them. Even if you're referencing what's going on, they may think it's a junk email and just ditch it out, right? So that's already important. The other one that can be a bit of an interesting situation is when coach refers for you and then the client wants you to step over the coach. Mm-hmm. And you know, for better or worse, and again, depending on client privilege, a lot of time you need to still reach out to that coach. But listen, I've seen this person, they want me to handle this. And I'm required, like, you know, if I'm going to do that, obviously it's going to step on toes. I just want to be transparent about what's going on so that you don't burn that relationship. Because like you said, 
bad communication, just ignoring it and just hoping it goes away is more likely to cause animosity and issues future on. The third, I guess, option, and I've seen this a few times, is when the client actively asks to keep it private and not speak to the coach. Mm. Now, most of the time, this is a non-issue because... I've, I've had that nobody, happen recently. But the thing is, it's a non-issue because no one's going to know. You're not going to be tagging that person in on your Instagram at your clinic, right? They're not going to be repping your gear. Like, That's like cheating and hoping they don't find out though, you know? Like, you, there's still the guilt. Yeah. But listen, you still, it's your job to still be like, are you sure? Like, try and get some information around why that might be. Um, but at the end of the day, it won't preclude you from doing your job and shouldn't be any major issue. But I think I want to, there is one thing I do want to jump on the back end of this is like, especially if you're working with coaches, because I know a lot of us, like, you know, probably majority of our major like internal referral comes from other coaches referring to us. It's a massive part of my practice. Um, and it's really important, in my opinion, for people that those coaches as much as possible are patients of yours, right? They go through your systems. They understand what you do. And they're very clearly defined, like, understanding of what your work entails, right? And, you know, this is much a thing, and I'll talk a couple of examples in a second, for yourself and clearly defining it as well. Because I can't tell you how many times I've had people, like, refer a client for a one-off check. And you're like, well, I found stuff that needs to be handled. I've now recommended like a course of care to sort that out and then they're like oh i didn't want that for them or they're like oh he just said i just needed to come this once to get looked at and you're like well so i can look at you but do you want like do you want me just to tell you what's wrong and you're gonna go away and keep it or what like if you don't you know ben you talked about this ages ago about pre-framing when you refer right making sure they're pre-framed and be like hey they're gonna look at you they're gonna see where you're at see what can be improved and then they're gonna recommend what you should do and that's gonna be part of the process as well because if you don't do that it's going to break the relationship and as a secondary and this is something i've had issues with my own patients at times especially when you're early in your career you probably step out of your normal treatment confine and i don't mean in terms of like out of you know your scope but you know it is not routine for me to heavily program out 10 12 16 weeks of progressive overload it's not an area i i can i do for some people but it's not a routine part of my treatment protocol i usually do a, a stepped process of more warm-up activations into some added work into their program but i don't handle their program and i've had done it for some people because they asked and then those are the people that will disappear for like a year and then come back for a session and then ask you to program another 16 weeks and expect it's free and you know if anyone who does programming properly knows it's incredibly time consuming and so if you don't pre-set up that, you know, oh, yeah, no, we can definitely do that. But, oh, you want the 16 weeks? No worries. That's going to be $750 up front. Or if you want, we can work it on the, a weekly, which is going to be, you know, 60 bucks a week that will just handle programming and a monthly check-in. Which one suits you? Yeah, I think that's good. And, again, we harp on it so often and sometimes you sort of undervalue, but the communication. So if that person understands that that's the service, that's the cost, that's the expectation, then, you know, it's not really a shock to the person when you discuss those things with them. Or, or as I said, you jump back into care and then that's all inclusive, you know, yeah. if you're a current client, then that's what you get. Yeah. Um, I think we should touch on a few examples. Examples, Dan, it's got an interesting example. We'll get you back in here, Dan, come on. Yeah, I think um, similar situation to what Nathan this thing is, is expectations. And sometimes, um, yeah, from the coach's point of view, PT's point of view, like, it's obviously it's good that they recommend you and they think very highly of you 
but I think sometimes they can almost uh, pedestal you a bit sometimes and make you sound like you're the savior, um, which, yeah, from an expectation point of view, like I had a, a situation recently and, you know, it's happened a few times and sure you guys have had it happen before where like a coach will recommend a client who's difficult, they're not getting results, they're stuck and they'll, you know, be like, go see Dan or go see Nath, you know, he's a, he's a magician, he'll solve all your problems and, you know, fix all your issues which obviously we, we, we have the capacity to in most situations, but it won't necessarily be like a one consult, magic one fix. Yeah. When these people come and it's like the PTs refer them to go see Dan for a consult and there's that preconceived idea of I'm going to do one consult and then I'm going to get all my problems solved. And then yeah. obviously from our perspective, it's like kind of been thrown under the bus because then it's like, well, now there's a lot of pressure to like over deliver. And then I feel like for me personally, it's like you get put in this position where it's like, you have your system and then it's almost like you feel like you have to change your system almost and then over delivering a console versus what you'd usually do, which is, you know, do your normal amount per console and then follow up. And you're trying to put like four sessions into one to try and create this, you know, magic, magic outcome. And then the second problem is then, well, because you can't do it all in one session, then there's like the expectation of, oh, you know, well, was there a program? Is there a protocol? You know, following up every couple of days with emails and messages. Sorry, our Gold Coast is really going off today. You guys hear the sirens in the back? No. Nah. <laughs> oh, all good. Um, for those of you watching at home, there is lots of police downstairs. But um, so yeah, it, it kind of turns into this awkward situation where it's like, well, you know, you then have to, you're then almost like providing a coaching service to the, to the client, even though it was a consult, which now you're in this like awkward position of, well, you know, do I just, uh, you know, serve this person for free because the expectation wasn't set or do I have to like stamp my authority and be like, well, it's, you know, you paid for a consult, but then it's like, you kind of feel ethically bad because then you're not able to help them effectively. So it's like, it just turns into a bit of a shit show, which could be, you know, fixed up front if the, the coach or the referrer could lay out some expectations of how things are going to go. Yeah. It's like um, Nate just said. That's why it's so important. And I, I agree because the retention goes way up is that, that the coach or the cl- is a client an active client because they understand that they know you, that they have a good relationship with you. They can call you. So really open communication with you. And then they know exactly what to expect. And therefore the, the pre-framing is very, very accurate. So I think it's so important if you can to get, get the coach in on your care as well. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Like it just straight away, everyone knows clearly where they're at and what's going on. And, you know, I also think it's important when having that pre-communication, when that, if that coach refers or I've had a few times where I've had a client reach out and say, you know, this coach has mentioned this or that. And I think one of the better examples, more I can think back to when I was in Geelong, I had a, I think it was a friend of Mina's or someone Mina knew reach out to me in Geelong. And he was like, yeah, I've seen all the stuff you guys talk about. Mina does a heap of the instrument sister, the scraping. I really want a heap of that. Can, can I book him for like an hour? And I was like, listen, that's not my, how things work as a chiropractor. Like I am focused on manual adjusting I have an initial examination that's not time-framed. It, it, it's not like a massage where you can book in an hour. If I deem it necessary, I will add in some scraping work and stuff like that. But it is quick work to improve, you know, neurovascularity in a region. It is not me sitting there for extended period scraping. So if that sounds all right, you're welcome to come down, but be very aware that it's not going to be what I think you're thinking. And if that's the case, I am happy to recommend you somewhere else, right? And mm-hmm. it's just, it's that classic you said, Dan, you should never change your systems. And if you do, like, unless you're changing them permanently, right? Unless you're growing and developing, you should always be growing and developing. But if it's cl- a client to client, you're doing something completely like different, then you are probably not acting in the best interest of people, right? 
because you're trying to be, you know, the jack of all trades. You'll always be the master of none. And it's also exhausting and it's confusing for referrals because people don't, when they refer, know what that person's going to get. And so consistency breeds development, which makes life easier. It's the old, you know, slow is fast and fast is efficient. Like it's very simple process. And we need to be very clear about saying what we do and don't do. And as one of my coaches said, if you are going to go out of your normal confine, whether that's even booking people out of your normal hours, you have to tell people that's what's going on. It'd be like, hey, normally this isn't where we're available. Normally I wouldn't do this now, but X due to X, Y, and Z, we will do this this once. Please be aware, you know, this will not be something we would do as a standard. Because if you don't, and I made this mistake, I remember I did saw a new patient at 6 a.m. in Melbourne, and that's what the fuck I was thinking. Um, and then, of course, yeah. that client was like, oh, sweet, I'll, I'll come in next week at 6 a.m. for my follow-up. I was like, no, mate, this is one and done. Like, he's like, oh, I'm just 6 a.m. is the only thing that's ever going to work. And I'm like, well, then this is not going to work. Right? Yeah. Definitely yeah. not. <laughs> Agreed. I think, as you said, like, and this is what I always tell my team is that you need to, if you're discounting, if you're going out of your way, if you're doing a favor for someone, you need to make the person known that you're doing that yeah. extra thing for them, but not in a condescending yeah. way as, as if you owe me, but just say, hey, this is usually not my normal practice or my normal service. Yeah. I don't usually do this for people, but because you've come from here or this person or whatever reason it may be, this is why I'm happy to do it for you for this, as Nay said, one and done. So I think... So much of this comes back if we, if we tie it all in. I'm not sure if Dan's got any more examples or anything else to go through, but like it's, couple, it's expectation got. and communication. I think expectation is set through good communication. So if you've got a great rapport with the coach or the referrer, the referrer, and you've, you can even like um, instruct them to go, hey, when you do refer me someone, just be as completely explicit <laughs> and accurate as possible as to what they are to expect. And therefore, they rock up to your door. They have the expectation of what you're going to do. As the boys said, you don't veer from your standard like methodology because often if I was just explaining to Tiber here, who's one of our physio students who's, who's just observing and listening in. If you often, if what happens when you, when you veer from your standard protocol and, and your standard methodology, like you often fuck something up. And then as Dan said, then you're doing shit that you, you might not get paid for. <laughs> And then you're like, you might be then treading on toes here or, you, or you're overreaching here. So, you know, just the client outcome is actually just usually worse off. Or Nate said, if you do do extra things for people, you make them, you let them know this is not normal protocol. So I think if we tie it all together, it's just really being good at setting expectations through good communication. You're involving all parties. All parties understand the terms and conditions. The client at the center of all, obviously, is receiving best, the most ethical sort of treatment, best outcomes. And in my opinion, if you aren't, opening up communication, then the, the client is the one who suffers at the end of the day, not particularly you. So you need to have that at the forefront of your mind, I believe. 100%. That's a good way to uh, wrap it up. Yeah, 100%. So hope you got something today. If you did, please, as always, pay the cost, grab a screenshot, share it up. Really helps more people get involved. And as we always say, the more practitioners we can help, the more people we can help and the better impact we can have on healthcare everywhere. So also, five-star review wherever you're getting your podcast. And as always, we'll see you next week. Cool. Thank you. Guys.